0: A few weeks ago, uh, I got a chance to fly to Seattle to visit my son, daughter-in-law, my three granddaughters, and my son was uh, recently hired by the University of Washington. Uh, part of what he does is he works in their counseling center, and uh, I, he wanted to show me his offices. And, and then he texted me and said, "Dad, uh, there's a football game on campus this weekend, and uh, University of Washington were playing Stanford, and uh, it was." Uh, a game that was going to be televised nationally, and it was an important game at that juncture of the season. Stanford was ranked seventh in the nation, University of Washington 10th, so two top 10 teams. And he said, it's Friday night, do you you want to get tickets? I said, if they're not too expensive, let's go. And and, uh, they were expensive, but we went anyway. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, If you've ever been out that way, you know that stadium is just an interesting looking stadium. It's got two. Uh, sides with, with this huge roof on either side, and it's right on the Puget Sound. It's a beautiful, beautiful setting. And uh, we walked from his office about a mile to the stadium and walked in. There 72,000, just packed with people, 72,000 people. And, and uh, if you've gone into football stadiums like that, you just there's, there's always this thrill that goes with that. And uh, we sat down, and the seats we had were amazing. Around the thirty-yard line, just two rows up from the field, right behind the Stanford uh, bench, and we watched the game from that vantage point. It was it was a, a really exciting evening, and I'll tell you what was interesting about it. Uh, and it, it it made sense, and I anticipated, but I wasn't anticipating the level of it. The fact that that crowd, the whole time, was just full voice in encouraging their team. And to be sitting with 72,000 people and just just screaming at the top of their lungs, encouragement to their team, urging their team on to, to success. And uh, University of Washington won that game. I. I didn't know much about the University of Washington team, but I bought a sweatshirt, you know, just so I could, you know, be part of the crowd. I found myself high-fiving people I never knew before uh, on, on, on the success of the team. Uh, it was just an amazing experience. There was corporate encouragement. There was a mass of people that, that uh, encouraged their team onto a forty-four-seven victory. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this question: when, When's the last time someone encouraged you? When's the last time someone had a word of encouragement, motivated you, and uh, and and put you in a direction that that uh, was positive? Fa- as a family member, maybe a work associate, a friend. We all need encouragement. Sort of a lost art in our culture uh, is the thank you card. Uh, we do it, I, I do a lot of my thank yous because I, I just don't have as much time and probably a little bit lazy, but I do my thank yous sometimes by texting or emailing. But I always enjoy and I always like someone who takes the time to put pen to paper on a thank you card and send it to me. My son in law does that beautifully. He, I was up there helping with the kids if, uh, a month ago and he sent me a thank you card. I saved those cards because I find that those written words are encouraging to me. Maybe a better question would be, when's the last time you encouraged someone? When's the last time you took the time to look someone in the eye and said, okay, let me, let me give you this word. Let, let me encourage you with these words. We're, we're concluding our series on community and, and we've dealt with a corporate call of the church the last three weeks. We've looked at the call to confession where we confess our faith and we confess our faults corporately. Uh, we, we, we've looked at the call to service, where we talked about how we serve other people and, and, and how we take who we are and we together go to the community and the people around us to say, what are your needs? How can we serve you? Last week we talked about the call to edification, how we are called to build each other up talked about the gifts that we've been given by the Holy Spirit and how those gifts combine and join together to build up a holy living temple for the presence of God. And this week, what I'd like to do is look at the call that we have to encouragement. And all throughout this series, what we are seeing is that we are better together in an individualistic society, in an isolated society where it's easy to get lost in in your own thinking and your own work and your own focus. We're called beyond that. We're called to community as the body of Christ. Years ago, I was in high school. I have some specific memories of high school. This was one of them and it was um, one I'll never forget. I don't know what the um, event was. I'm not sure how I got invited to it, but it was a seminar in the evening at our high school, DeVilbus High School, Toledo, Ohio, in case you're wondering, it was, uh, no longer exists. The building still stands, but the high school is, is, is no longer there. But uh, one evening, seven o'clock was the meeting, and, and uh, they did a seminar on leadership and, and how, how we influence and encourage other people. And, and uh, the speaker told of a study that was done by some sociologist somewhere on a college campus. And they, they, they got 10 college students in a room and uh, nine of them were, were, were prepared uh, with a response that they were told to do, and one was not. And the uh, leader of that group said, hey, we're going to do some, some uh, uh, experiments here. We want your response to just some simple questions. And, and uh, there on, on the board that was in front of those 10 students, uh, he uncovered it, and there were two lines. One was very long, one was short. And uh, he said, OK, uh, first question is, uh, which line is the shortest, uh, the bottom line or the top line? And um, how many of you say the top line? And nine of those people raised their hands when they, were t- they, they gave the answer to the obvious wrong answer. There was only one person that wasn't prepared, and, and he was looking around going, oh, wait a second, that's not right. How many of you think that the bottom line is a short line? And this one one person raises his hand, looking around, and everybody's looking at him curiously. So, okay, let's try that again. How many of you think the top line is the shorter line? Obviously, longer. And nine people raise their hands. And this one person who's not prepared is still looking around. And how many of you think the bottom line? And and he raises his hand again. Third time, they ask. How many of you think that the, the the top line is the shorter line? And all 10 raise their hands, all right? It's the power of the people with whom we associate. It's the power of the crowd. It's the text I want us to look at, really two of them. First one, it's in your bulletin, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 14. The author here writes to the church, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly, to the very end. This is the Word of God. You notice in this text, The word encourage, verse 13, but encourage one another daily. This is to be a regular occurrence. This is to be a constant thing that we we do. And the word for encourage is the Greek word paraclete, para, alongside, kaleo, uh, to call or summon. And and the the picture that you you get when you hear this word is someone who comes alongside someone to help them, to help him or her, to, to be their advocate, To be their guide. Uh, This word is used of the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament. Uh, The Holy Spirit comes alongside the believer to empower us and to help us and and to to guide us in in the way that we should go. But this word now is used for us in terms of how we are to encourage each other. And also notice at that football game, the Stanford bench, and I will tell you that it was not a close game. University of Washington went out to a lead and they led throughout the game and it was a pretty demoralizing game for for the Stanford team and I was uh observing their their response to it. The coach is, I didn't know who the coach was. I looked it up later. Uh his name is David Shaw. He's been there for 4 years. He's the head coach. And uh it's you know, football teams on sidelines, sometimes there, there's a lot of excitement there, there, there's a lot of yelling, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, drama. There was no drama on the Stanford bench. I, I watched this coach very, very calmly. He, he never really expressed himself all that much, even though his team was being badly beaten as, as the game progressed. And he would go from player to player, and he would, talk, he would just take them aside as they come off the field. Many of them didn't perform that well. And he would just talk to them. It, the contrast was interesting because you hear you had this, this 72,000 seat stadium filled with people yelling encouragement to their favorite team. But the team that was losing, there was quiet encouragement taking place there as well. And I had an instant respect for this man, who instead of yelling at people and berating them as they came off the field, as you see so often in football games, or visors being thrown on the, on the ground, I f- forget who did that, some school here in Florida, I I saw a man who had the long term in view with those men. Quiet encouragement. A good encourager is one who who is sure to include in his or her communication two exhortations. Let's stop doing something that's destructive, and let's start or keep doing something that's positive. So let's just take those two and look at them. The first one is, is in this text here, and the... Verse 12 begins with the word see to it. New American Standard has the words take care. I like that translation just a little bit better. Take care, he says. We use that in our vernacular often. Hey, take care. But it's used very specifically here. Take care. See to it. Focus on this. The call is to all of us to help each other in our walk with Christ. This is a call to holy attentiveness. Not a call to meddle. Not a, not a call to be the moral police. It's not, we're not on the lookout to, to say, okay, who's doing something wrong so I can, so I can catch them at it. But it is, it is a call to care for one another. Especially if, if there are brothers and sisters who are heading in the wrong direction. The first book of the Bible. Two brothers, Cain and Abel the sons of Adam and Eve, and and Cain and Abel were were called on to sacrifice to the Lord. And you remember the sacrifices. Abel takes takes the lamb and sacrifices it, and Cain uh, doesn't follow instructions, takes some of his produce, sacrifices that the Lord is pleased with Abel's, not so much with Cain's. Cain becomes very jealous, very angry, and in his anger, he takes the life of his brother. And God comes to Cain, and he asks him a question. He says, where is your brother? Do you remember Cain's response? Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Can you imagine talking to Creator God and, and, and firing a question back to him like that? It's amazing. Well, in this case, and what we're called to do, is the answer to that question is, yes, we are. In this case, we have that responsibility. We're not responsible for our brother. We're responsible to him. I can't, I'm not responsible for what you do, but I'm responsible to respond to what you do in a way that's going to be godly and encouraging. And, and we're to take care to keep from doing certain things. First of all, we're to take, take care to make sure that we're helping avoid sin, that we're helping avoid uh, the, the brothers and sisters that we love and care for to go in a direction that's going to be destructive. We have two studies that meet early uh, in the morning on Tuesday and Thursday. And and as a regular part of our meeting together, we ask each other some important questions about how we're doing in terms of our our walk. We ask about dealing with lust and anger and, and materialism and slothfulness, lack of discipline, all those things. Not because we're trying to check up on each other or trying to catch each other doing wrong, but encourage each other to say, hey, there needs to be a a, a correction here. We need to go in a different way. It helps us avoid unbelief. Unbelief in areas where we have a difficult time trusting, trusting God for money, trusting God for our relationships, our marriages, trusting God in our parenting, trusting God with health challenges that we have. And then it says it helps us avoid A hardened heart. Hardened heart in scripture is a heart that is so stuck that it has a difficult time responding to what God wants us to do and where he wants us to go. And, and of course, it's caused by the deceitfulness of sin. You know, if I had one thing that I could share with people who are dealing with things that, that, that they need to change in their lives... One thing that I could say over the years that I've counseled people, the years that I've tried to help people, it would be this. Don't be so impatient. Don't be impatient for God to act. Scripture is replete with men and women who saw a problem, and instead of waiting for God, what they did is they just said, you know what, I think I'm going to help God out a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm' gonna, I'm going I'm do this and and, and I think I, I, you know I'm, I'm going to meet the need in this way. Abraham was promised a son and he's an old man and his wife is is, is well long in years as well and he't he, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. so he he helps God out. He's not patient and he has a son with uh, with his, with, uh, the, his, his wife's servant. Uh, and and uh, it, all kinds of problems are are caused by that. Isaac, his son, and his wife, Rebekah. Jacob, the younger, is supposed to have the birthright, and, and they don't see that happening. He was supposed to be the, the leader. And, and, and all sorts of plots are there, so, so the birthright gets stolen from Esau. Chaos happens. Moses, I'm going to free the children of Israel. He takes... He sees a a, a Jewish person being oppressed by an Egyptian. He he takes the life of that Egyptian. It's it's impatience for God to ask, to act. You and I, when we encourage others and we, we we implore them to take care, are imploring them to wait for God. The words of David in Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and then he repeats it again, and wait for the Lord. So ask the questions. Make the observations. Small groups are good. So we, we've said this before. Circles are better than rows. Many times we need to be in, 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 in places where we can look the, each other in the eye and, and ask them those kinds of questions. I, I worked for years, or, or I, I had the privilege, actually, of, of participating in the speaker team of of family life. We did weekends to remember marriage conferences and, and uh, we had a rather large speaker team, couples that, that would come and speak at these weekends. And we would meet every year in, in uh, January over in St. Petersburg for several years. Dennis Rainey, who's the, the leader, uh, when we would show up on the first night and there would be like 60 speaker couples. So he would come to each of the husbands and he would look us in the eye and he would ask us a question. And I have to tell you, it was rather annoying to me after a while. And here's the question he asked. Are you clean? And he wasn't asking if we showered that day, all right? Are you clean? And you know, I'm just like, oh, come on. Am I clean? You know what he was asking. So we had, like any other organization, we had some, some men who made bad decisions and uh, marriages that were lost because of those bad decisions. And he wanted to know if morally we were clean. He was asking the question. Every year, he'd look me in the eye, are you clean? Yes, Dennis, I'm clean. You know, But it was an important question. As I think back, I have to tell you, I'm glad he asked, because it was a reminder that he was taking care, that he was seeing to something it was important. So we don't have connect groups just to study the word or discuss theology or just to socialize. All those things are good. We have connect groups so we can take care of each other. They're designed to be environments where we can speak in a loving but challenging manner into each other's lives. So the second text, one we discussed last week, is over in Hebrews chapter 10. That's also in your bulletins. Hebrews 10 24 and 25. The author says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's not just, hey, watch out, take care, but it is. Okay, now we're, we're we're supposed to go toward something. Let's let's move or let's keep on moving. Let's consider how we may spur one another onto love and good deeds. That that word spur is is a Greek word that that uh, is perexuno. It's the word, we really get the word paroxysm in our language, some, some violent event, some, some stressful event. There's, there's, there's energy that that's, it's almost like a cataclysmic word. It's a very strong word, difficult to translate. It, it's a combination of para alongside and oxus, a sharp edge. So this, when, when, when it says, hey, let's consider how we can spur one another onto love and good deeds, it's a, it's a word that, that is strong, and, and it almost, it's, it's the picture I get, you know, spurs on, on boots when, when someone rides a horse. What are spurs made of? They're made of metal. They are sharp. What do they do? They dig into the side, the flesh of a horse to motivate that horse to go in the direction that you want that horse to go at the speed you want him or her to go. That's, that's what spurs are for. It's a serious word. It's a word that you just don't, hey, it'd be nice if. It's like, hey, let's get this done, and let's do it in the fastest possible way. Let's consider how we can really motivate people to move in this direction. Back when I was in college, uh, I went through school and, and uh, was fairly aimless spiritually. I, I, had a church background, but by then I, I was ambivalent about my spiritual life. I had met some Christians on campus. People were involved in Christian organizations. I would go occasionally, but not, not anything regularly. And then uh, my, the last summer before I graduated, I, I had this renewed uh, spiritual commitment that uh, I was looking to grow in my faith, although I didn't tell anybody that I had it. I didn't tell a soul. There was a guy that I knew, I'd known for years. And he was part of one of these Christian groups and he was, he was a different kind of guy, his name was Jeff. And uh, Jeff was tall, he was thin, he always had this perpetual grin on his face and he just had, he had a unique personality. Uh, he um, memorized phone numbers, it was just the most curious thing. He would take sections of the phone book and memorize them just to show us he could, which I thought, well, that's an interesting thing to do. But he memorized my phone number and all the phone numbers of his friends, and and he would he would call us at regular intervals and he would just ask how we were doing. And all throughout my my collegiate uh, years, even when I was so ambivalent spiritually, Jeff would call us and, and 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 when he would say my name, he would say it in the most curious way, he'd go, Jim. And I always knew it was him. Jim, uh, hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Jim, how are you doing? Fine. He'd always ask me to somewhere, hey, we've got this going on. You want to come? I go, no, I don't. It was August of 1971, and I was just home from a summer school that I did in Portland, Oregon. And I was just aimless, but still had had this spiritual experience. And Jeff called me up. Jim, hey, Jeff. Hey, we've got this meeting. School hadn't even started yet. He said there, some, some students meet, and we have some worship, and we have some, someone speak from the word. I think you'd really like it. Do you want to come? And I said, yes. And I went to this group. And I had an experience at that group and continued to have the experience that absolutely transformed the direction of my life. And there was a guy. Who kept calling me, named Jeff, until I finally made a decision to go in the right way. That call literally changed the direction of my life. I wouldn't have done what I did, I wouldn't have met the woman that I married, I wouldn't have met my children. That call came from someone who really wanted to motivate me to move in the right direction. And I don't think I could ever thank him enough. What are we to move toward? Towards love and good deeds. We love because he first loved us. Now we're to love each other in the same way. The author says, hey, come on. Let's not mess around. We're, we're moving toward love and we're moving toward good deeds. That's why we do nice serve. That's why we did it a, a couple weekends ago. It, it is something that we do together. And, and we motivate each other. And I've talked to... Many people go, "Wow, that was such a great experience. we get to do that together." We'll continue to call you to that, because that's what we do as believers. Mm-hmm. There are people in my life that God had God placed that just gave the encouraging word in terms of moving in the direction that, that I have always appreciated. Mary Graham came to a campus that I was ministering at and heard me speak, and she said at the end of that time, hey, I think, I, think you might, I think you might be a good communicator. I want you to continue to doing that. Encouraging words. Susan Westlake, a woman that I worked with that I, I got to do ministry with, she said, hey, you might be a good leader, and, and I really think you, should, you could do, use some further education. She always would encourage me toward that. And I took her up on that. Dave Carlson, a guy that I knew and, and, and would get together and pray with, he, he said, hey, I, you know, I think we should probably look at counseling and maybe we could do that together. He was a lawyer. You know, I was in ministry. We thought about doing that. He never did, but I did, and I moved ahead, moved ahead and did it because I was encouraged to do it. And it comes through relationships. You and I are called to encourage each other to motivate each other, to move in the direction that God wants us to go. And here it is. I need your encouragement. And I I trust that and hope that you'll accept mine. I need it. We are called on to encourage each other. We, We can't encourage each other if we don't come together and if we don't take care to maximize that time by speaking words of encouragement to each other, we are a community. The meeting at the high school, they talked about this experiment with this one poor student who finally just went along with the crowd. They, they expanded on the experiment. What they, they, they did another little iteration of it, only this time, they informed the nine students that uh, were there and and had the information ahead of time, hey, here's the deal. Um, You all vote for the wrong one, except just one. We want just one of you to vote with with the obvious right answer and with this other person who doesn't know. So instead of nine against one, it was eight against two. How many of you think that the the top line is the shorter one? Eight people raise their hands and then just two people go with with the right answer. Again, they ask, the two people are steadfast. Again, they ask, you know what? All it took was one other person for that other person to stay steadfast with the right answer, just one other person. Who are you spending time with? When's the last time that you were encouraged? Who are the people that you allow to speak into your life? the people that love you and want the best for you. And whom should you encourage? Who are the people that God's put in your life that you could say things to motivate them and encourage them and take them the next step? That's what God's calling us to do. Day after the game, I was uh, walking to a restaurant with my son and a woman uh, was walking on the sidewalk walked toward us and uh, she looked at me i'd never seen her before she looked at me and i thought she said yo husky I, I, that's what i thought she said i thought well maybe i've been lifting more than i thought maybe maybe she sees something that i don't see obviously i was wrong um, she wasn't saying yo husky you know what she was saying go Huskies, it's the University of Washington Huskies, and I was wearing the sweatshirt that I bought with a big purple W on it, and it had Huskies written down the sleeve. And she was identifying me as a, as a Washington Husky fan, and she was saying, hey, I, 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 we're part of a family here. Uh, my first instinct was to say, now I'm an Ohio State Buckeye fan. That was, that was, I, just, I started to say that. them, I thought, you know what? I think I'll let them adopt me for a day. I like I like being part of this family. I like being identified that way. Look, in the same manner, we're a spiritual family. We do family together. We're called to encourage each other with a view to that day, the day when the Lord returns. Where we'll all join in the greatest family reunion imaginable. The day of his return. Until that day, let's not forget that all of us are better together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word. I pray that uh, even tonight that these words and the words that are written in your book would be an encouragement to us and help us, each of us, take them And use them, not just for ourselves, but for the people that you put into our lives. Help us to find environments where we can be encouraged. Help us to encourage others, as you've called us to do. And as we see the the fruit of that, Lord, I pray that we would give you praise and glory. And that we would understand the joy that only you can give as we're obedient to you. I pray this in Christ's name, our Lord. Amen.